Well, hi, everyone. Good morning to you. Well, at least it's good morning to me. My name is Pete Scazzera. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our topic today is sabbaticals, part two, how to plan for a transformational sabbatical. Now, last week we talked on part one, what a sabbatical is and why every leader needs one. And what's made this podcast in particular such a fantastic experience. Uh, experience for me is the amount of questions and case studies that I received, uh, the challenges someone of you sent in uh, to my social media account at Pete Scazzaro. So thank you very much. It's made it just uh, fabulous and so stimulating uh, for me to go down roads I hadn't really thought of. So let me just start with a question, one of the questions that came in, which was this, how do I ask for a sabbatical without sounding selfish? How do I ask for a sabbatical without sounding selfish? selfish? Well, the answer is do it theologically, thoughtfully, and prayerfully. Uh, a church or a community uh, is, a, is an ecosystem, a fragile ecosystem, and there are things that need to be dealt with to keep it healthy as a community uh, needs healthy leaders, healthy people. And so you've got to be viewing the church or the ministry from the long-term perspective that we lead and serve uh, into the world out of the overflow of the life of Jesus in us. We don't just go on autopilot doing activities. Every ministry is fragile. It doesn't matter what size it is, whether it's 20 people or 5,000 people. And the reason uh, it's fragile is because it's so dependent on Jesus. Uh, in other words, that we're actually flowing with him in loving union with his life flowing through us on all levels uh, of the uh, ministry. And the reason you're asking for a sabbatical is because not that you're selfish, it's actually the most unselfish thing you could do, uh, is because you love the people and uh, you love the ministry and its charism and its uh, mission in the world. And you're teaching, uh, you're modeling you are bringing deep rhythms into this church, into the lives of people in a way that a sermon can never teach or a message. It's coming out of your life. So there's so many uh, profound things that are happening through a sabbatical and sabbatical. So in part one, we talked about what's a sabbatical. And again, the foundation of the word sabbatical comes from Sabbath. And uh, Sabbath is a uh, is to the Lord our God. It's got certain elements to it, and we talked about it briefly last week. It means to stop, to rest, to delight, to contemplate the Lord God Almighty. It's time to step aside, uh, let God nourish the nutrients of your soil, of your soul, uh, so he can replenish and do things in you and in the ministry that can happen no other way. So a sabbatical actually is an extended Sabbath. A Sabbath is a one-day-a-week um, that God built into uh, Israel uh, as their uh, practice. Uh, a sabbatical is a longer stretch of time to Sabbath. And uh, God built this into their national economic life through uh, three primary festivals. Uh, and then actually there was an entire sabbatical year they were commanded to take as well uh, every seventh year. And then we all actually read in Leviticus 25, they were commanded to take give the land a Sabbath of rest for an additional year. You could imagine every 50 years, they would take two years. And so a sabbatical, the principle of sabbatical is that every seventh year or eighth year, without getting legalistic about it, but the principle is that you take a longer uh, rest 
or Sabbath to the Lord our God. Again, so it makes it different than a vacation. It's to the Lord our God. It's got certain elements to it. And uh, I'd recommend somewhere between, if you're in vocational leadership, pastoring, uh, you take between 14 and 17 weeks, between three and four months, uh, and you do it every seventh or eighth year. So there's a prep time uh, building up to it, leading up to it, and then there's a a follow-up time when you return processing and expanding those new learnings. And the goal, very simple, is is your transformation, the health of the ecosystem as a whole, the soil of your being getting replenished. And there are things that can happen during this time uh, that can happen no other way. There's a pruning, there's a cleansing, there's a stripping. There's a time for seeds that perhaps God's planted in your soul way back uh, that have been buried to come alive. Fog clears and even your uh, listening to God and greater clarity comes. I was with, with a uh, friend just recently who, uh, in the middle of his sabbatical, was just talking about how he's already seen how he has died to some of the wrong things. In other words, that there were passions and desires that God had planted in him uh, that he had just not been tending to because he was so busy uh, serving other people. And it wasn't just hurting himself, but actually those people he served as well. And so the key components of a sabbatical are just to have a theme. Um, that's, why you, that's why you need time to prepare. Listening to what's God's invitation to you. Um, and I actually recommend that as part of your sabbatical, you take uh, a, quote, vac- your vacation time. Uh, in other words, you're not actually intentionally structuring learning around it, but because a sabbatical actually is to have a structure around a theme. So you're intentionally taking in from God for your soil. But uh, you take as part of that, maybe a, just a vacation. And so good. again, the goal is you want to be leading and serving out of a cup that runs over. So before I launch into the many questions, and I've got a lot of questions here on this paper around sabbatical that many of you have sent in. Uh, again, let me recommend that you dig deeper into the very nature of what a Sabbath is, uh, and you get an excellent theological foundation for that, uh, because that's a sabbatical is an extended uh, Sabbath. So check out, if you've not checked out, uh, there's a chapter in the Emotionally Healthy Leader book called Practice Sabbath Delight, um, and you can uh, pick that up or, or look at some videos on that or a free discussion got at emotionallyhealthy.org slash leader. Uh, and then there's also uh, on our website, there's a team transformational video, which I, which is free for you, which is for a staff team or a leadership team or for an individual uh, on rediscovering Sabbath. And you can check that out too. It's got some handouts and a video, et cetera. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash video. Uh, I'm sorry, emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. But again, you want to deepen and broaden your understanding of Sabbath in this process. All right, as, uh, as one person wrote me, let's dive in right now. Uh, uh, he said this, I'm afraid if I start typing my question, I will A, break down crying for no clear reason, B, realize that I will never be offered a sabbatical, I'm 20 years in, and C, realize even more clearly how much I need a sabbatical, or D, all of the above. I'm very serious about this. Now, I'm doing this podcast uh, on sabbaticals, these two-part podcasts, because I have a hope and a prayer and desire to that, that we shift church culture around the world. Now, this is incredibly challenging, very complex, um, uh, because leading a church 
is become so complex, especially in these days, uh, more than ever. And we underestimate what it means to shepherd and lead a flock under the name of Jesus uh, into the world. Local churches are, and local and, and communities are the most important uh, places on the face of the earth. Uh, even if the, if the news and social media marginalizes the church, uh, there is no place more important on the earth as salt and light for Jesus. And we need pastors, we need leaders, we need men and women who lead out of a deep inner life with Jesus, out of deep connection to him, uh, deep in prayer, word, silence, discernment. And, and that people would say of us, as they said of Elijah in 2 Kings 4, 9, when he went to a town called Shinun, and a well-to-do woman was there, and she urges him to stay for a meal. And he used to stop there uh, to eat. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. And she identified him as a holy man of God. My my prayer, my hope is, we're, is that we as leaders in God's church will be known as holy men, holy women of God. In other words, we walk with God. We're bringing something uh, that's... That's from heaven to earth, and we lead out of that deep place of connection with God. All right. I received a lot of questions here about what do I do if I've got young children? So here's a couple of the questions. How do I cultivate, how do you cultivate your children's emotional spirituality during sabbatical and not kill each other? We took our first sabbatical uh, after 18 plus years of being worship pastors. We paid for it ourselves, sold our house, so we were living with family. We nearly drove each other crazy being cooped up in a basement of our parents, homeschooling because we were in transition, and limited outside time in the middle of a winter. I wish we would have better prepared on the family side of things. And then what are the best ways to plan a sabbatical? When you're home with full of elementary age kids and toddlers, they attend public school or involved in church, sports, how does that, how does that work on a sabbatical? Well, the issue of young children... Uh, has many factors to it. Uh, now, again, every, every family's different. The kind of kids God's given you, their particular needs, the season of life they're in, season of life you're in. And so, and even another factor is the, how much help do you have at your disposal in terms of friends, family, resources. So you really need some time to think through in advance, as uh, the first question noted, you need time to really think through how do I uh, include my family appropriately, and then how do I manage the many dynamics? Um, you know, the question of when's the best time of the year, uh, if you've got children in school, clearly uh, su summer is is wonderful when your school's not in session. For part of that, at least, um, we would do for May, June, July, August, around that time when our kids were not in school, but again, let me let me just say, if you've got toddlers. Uh, it's a really difficult season in life. It's stressful, period. So you want to adjust your expectation. It's a God-given limit. Uh, and some of you may have less resources than others of you. So you, again, you're going to need to plan thoughtfully and carefully. Be very creative. There are things you can do, um, but you've got to manage these uh, complex factors. So how do you think, how do you plan or think about a sabbatical when the other adult in the house uh, still has a job? How much should your spouse be part of it? And again, the answer for your spouse is as much as possible. Of course, you want them to be on a sabbatical. Sometimes it's not as possible, the nature of their employment. Um, but 
if at all possible, you want to at least have part of that time that you are together on that sabbatical. Then the question came up, I understand the value and purpose of a sabbatical, but it doesn't seem effective if you're basically just staying home and driving your spouse crazy. Uh, yes, uh, that is true. And then do you have, and so so you want to, again, uh, thoughtful planning, prayerful discussion, uh, hopefully you're not staying at home, just driving your spouse crazy. Uh, it seems to be a contradiction of the very nature of sabbatical. So then the question is, do you have suggestions for couples whose delight is found in extraordinarily different things? The very question itself is the launch of a sabbatical before the sabbatical actually starts. Because every marriage is two separate people with very different desires, needs, hopes, wishes, dreams. Uh, two separate people, yet one flesh bound by marriage. So, so part of functioning in a healthy marriage is respecting differences and others honoring the differences and because and seeing them as gifts many of us spend our married lives trying to make our spouses someone they're not we like to have two circles you know on a on a powerpoint or on a piece of paper two separate people not two enmeshed people uh but respecting the power and freedom of each other and so, uh, again, you want to get some counsel probably from some a wise mentor, coach, therapist. Um, you want to learn some skills. I would definitely check out the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, uh, part two of the EHD course. Uh, and there's some great skills, uh, eight core skills uh, that we developed over these, this 20-year period. You want to do them in your marriage. Maybe make, make that part of your sabbatical for you and your spouse. Any advice question here for navigating disconnection with many of your very best friends who are part of the congregation? And the answer is, yeah, I have some advice for that because uh, it's a very critical question because you're in relationships, a dual relationship with your friends in the congregation. Uh, you're their pastor, uh, you're their leader, you're also friends. And uh, that carries a certain level of complexity. And you may actually see each other because your children may hang out together in some social environments or in the neighborhood or at the school. So you want to have a clear, honest, respectful, timely conversation with them about what you're doing. Uh, share with them the boundaries of your sabbatical, the purpose of it, et cetera, et cetera, why you're unplugging. You don't want to have any conversations about church. Uh, you want to set a real boundary around that. Uh, and you're not going to see them uh, for sure as much uh, and you've got to determine the nature of the relationship, how much you can see them, and uh, if you can see them, how you want to handle it. Uh, it's a bit, uh, what's the word? Uh, it can be a bit challenging. So you want to really help them understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, it's nothing, of course, personal against them. It's actually for them in the long term, uh, not simply for yourself. So how often and why do staff get a sabbatical? Uh, and uh, do all staff get a sabbatical? And so, again, I recommend every seven or eight years, uh, yeah, that's the biblical principle, I'd recommend all long-term staff after seven or eight years of service get a sabbatical uh, for three to four months. Why? Because the number one job of every leader is to be learning and being transformed by Jesus. I mean, that's number one. You're, we're always learning, growing, uh, and we're always allowing ourselves to be transformed by Jesus. We're, we're separating uh, time out for that to take place. 
And that's why uh, Jerry used to say, I, I've been married to five different men, you know, over these years and new life had, you know, when I was pastoring 26 years there, they had five different pastors. I'm still changing. So Pete Scazzaro is a different personality than was five years ago. Um, hopefully by God's grace, learning and being transformed. I actually believe long-term volunteers, uh, that is non-paid people, also need sabbaticals uh, from their service in the church. So for example, board members, teachers of children's church or different ministries, uh, ushers. There's so many people who serve in our churches faithfully over decades. And the same principle applies. They too need a deep rhythm of stopping, resting, delighting, time to let the soil replenish and taking, whether it's a few months, uh, to just stop. Uh, and uh, because every one of us does succession. You understand that succession, uh, because we all, is is everybody's doing it paid or unpaid, because uh, we're all going to die, and God's work will continue to go on. Again, it's healthy for the ecosystem. Um, sabbaticals, much like Sabbath, are like getting off crack and heroin. It's very, very difficult, really challenging, especially when you're the first one doing it in the culture. Um, it and, and you'll feel it in your own body. I know I did, um, because the whole culture, and of course, church culture is do, 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 and it's that adrenaline is running through your system and the feeling of guilt and shame. I don't deserve this, all this stuff. That's why, again, we want to get theologically anchored, biblical, deep understanding of Sabbath, because this is so countercultural and I would argue prophetic. And I would argue for the future of our churches, uh, we really do need to build in some deep rhythms. Are there any exceptions for your involvement in your ministry while on sabbatical? Yeah. So for example, I, uh, I would say, here's what I, I'll just tell you what I did, and you can sort it out yourself. Uh, uh, here is the agreement I made, which was, okay, if somebody dies uh, or a family member, member dies of anybody on the board or on our staff, uh, call me. Okay, that's obviously really important. Don't want to miss a funeral. You can miss a wedding, but no one to miss a funeral, a key funeral. Uh, and I, I did limit it to folks uh, who are, you know, directly reporting to me or, you know, on staff, key staff, and uh, of course, you know, some close friends, but then board members. But I would say, don't call me if the building burns down, because what am I going to do? Uh, there's no reason to call me. Uh, what I did was once a month, I had a meeting with a selected person from the board, and they would call me to check in how I was doing, because again, it was all, it was an agreement written down about my general flow of my sabbatical and what I was doing, but be a check-in meeting for maybe an hour. Uh, they had to be disciplined enough to not talk about anything related to church. Um, again, it was one of those categories of somebody had died or something, but but the, the goal was they're checking in, getting a report, bringing it back to the board, and then bringing it back to the church as well. So another question here is the church is ordinarily, I find my church refreshing. So is the advice still to stay away? And the answer is yes, uh, it is still to stay away. I'm glad your church is refreshing. Hopefully it is refreshing for you. Uh, but the point is your work vocationally is the church, okay? And so in your case, uh, and in my case, uh, there needs to be a, uh, a, step, a step away from that. Uh, because you're the leader, one of the leaders in the church. So how is this done practically in a tiny, tiny rural church, especially when the pastor lives next door to the church? And the answer is you need to go away. You need physical distance. Um, if you're living next door to the church, uh, 
yeah, you, you cannot stay home. Uh, that is a definite, I, I should say that I don't think you can stay home. Uh, it would seem to me to be quite problematic. Is timing important? Would there be a poor time to leave for a sabbatical? Um, and I'd say, yeah, there can be a poor time to leave for a sabbatical. There are times to delay. Um, again, it might be something like I know in my case, it was a building program, uh, a delay in purchasing a building. So it delayed it for a year. Um, there may be a particular crisis that hit that you might have to delay a year. But I can say this, there's never a, quote, good time or an easy time to go. It always is difficult and takes a lot of work to actually put things in place to go on a sabbatical. I received a number of questions around the workplace. Uh, uh, and I'll just give you a few here. You know, why aren't sabbaticals talked about in the workplace or amongst leaders? Uh, and, uh, you know, so just, you know, there is a, a growing amount of literature and movement uh, for people taking sabbaticals in the workplace. Uh, in fact, they say, I, again, I one-fourth of Fortune's 100 best companies uh, to work for offer sabbaticals and uh, industries from retail stores to software companies. I haven't done a lot of research on that, but it is a growing trend. Um, and uh, I would say the same principles apply to the workplace. Uh, I've known a few people who've been able to do that farther from the workplace, but it's obviously quite rare. It's growing in popularity, but it's got a long way to go. But what does it look like for those of us in jobs that are not in church ministry? And I would say that if you're able to get time off your job, I'd say it's the same principle. Let's stop, rest, delight, contemplate. You want to, how do I replenish the soil? What's God's invitation for me? Again, it requires great differentiation, lots of planning and thought. Uh, Google it uh, on, on how do I, on sabbaticals, and uh, you'll learn a lot. It will kindle your creativity. My wife works full-time uh, in the marketplace in addition to being a leader. I've always struggled to conceive of how a sabbatical would work in our situation when I can take the time, but she can't. Any insights on that? Any insights on this sort of scenario? And as I said earlier, it depends on the type of full-time employment uh, she has. Uh, but I've seen people take sabbaticals alone without their spouse, and the spouse has uh, been able to join it partly based on vacations, et cetera. And so again, you've got to work uh, within what you have, what God's given you, and set appropriate expectations. How do you integrate this as a staple if you're building an organization? Um, again, when many elders don't give their company sabbaticals, and they're very skeptical about, skeptical about giving it to you. And of course, uh, uh, we're in the new family of Jesus. This is different. This is new. So culture change is slow. You go first. Take your sabbatical. Let people see the fruit for them, for you. And then you expand it to maybe some other long-term uh, staff uh, and then move it to a policy. Of course, people are going to be skeptical. It sounds like a, quote, waste of time. But like any great truth, of course, it can be abused. But like any great truth in scripture, it is very powerful. Uh, my husband and I are lead pastors thinking about a sabbatical in 2022. How? Uh, I would probably have to continue homeschooling and definitely have to continue my theological master's, I think. Would that be counterproductive and undermine the Sabbath? Well, my question is, can you move timing for homeschooling or really cut it back? And your master's in theology, can you just take classes that are incredibly edifying? In other words, not Greek and Hebrew, which are very intense, uh, but uh, moving to some classes that really would be almost sabbatical-like. Or I would consider even postponing your uh, master's for a semester. 
not the end of the world. Burnout, another big theme. Uh, that came out with a lot of questions around that. My husband and I are taking a three-month sabbatical in January, so this is great timing. We're wondering how to have the self-discipline uh, to mend from being burnt out. If you're feeling, quote, burnt out, and I'll talk about that word in just a minute, um, you 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 want to start with a, quote, vacation, uh, maybe four, six, eight weeks to just do what replenishes you. I wouldn't do intentional learning yet. Uh, you're tired. You need to rest. You need to sleep. Remember, burnout is not so much giving too much, but it's giving something you don't possess. Uh, it's giving things that I don't really have to give. And so I, I'm living out of these oughts and shoulds, not out of how God uniquely made me. So burnout's a kind of violence to the self and uh, and actually ends up in being violent to other people as well. Uh, and the irony of burnout is we're killing ourselves while trying to save other people. Uh, it's like I'm unable to swim right now, but I'm jumping in the ocean to keep you from drowning. Uh, so part of your sabbatical needs to be uh, just healing uh, that that feeling of just emptiness, deep emptiness, uh, and uh, getting to the roots of that burnout, who God made you, how God made you, uh, what's off right now. Uh, you may need a fourth, you may need instead of a three month sabbatical, a fourth sabbatical. Again, I don't know your history, how you got there, but uh, uh, you want to make sure you're taking some time for that feeling of burnout. But how do you embrace a sabbatical after burnout when the effects of burnout seem to linger? Uh, I would say that your sabbatical is not finished. Um, that's often a problem. People take a sabbatical that's too short, wasn't adequate, and your body can feel it. Remember, our body is not a minor prophet. It's a major prophet. The Holy Spirit speaking through our physical bodies, uh, our emotional exhaustion. And he is it's his invitation by the Spirit to rest. Uh, here's a here's a bad burnout case study. You, uh, a person wrote years ago. Our former pastor had requested a sabbatical from the elder board. He had served as senior pastor for ten year, over ten years, and at least another ten years prior to that as an executive pastor. He had never taken a full length sabbatical, only vacations for four or five weeks. Over time, the frequency of these vacations increased to try to remedy a chronic sense of exhaustion. Every time he came back from vacation, he felt like it didn't work, and he found himself right back in a state of exhaustion. This was frustrating to him because he never felt like he had time that he needed to be away. He began to resent the other elders for not allowing him more time. Equally, the elder board had frust was frustrated because no matter how much time he took off, it was never enough. They never allowed him to take more than two months, assuming that no amount of time would satisfy his chronic sense of depletion. In hindsight, we can all see he was emotionally and mentally bankrupt, likely in need of specialized health care. At that point in time, no one could see it. Within a few years, he resigned from his position as senior pastor. And um, yeah, it's a really sad and common story. Uh, I love, and I think it's important if you're burnt out in particular, uh, feeling that kind of exhaustion, you want to always build into your sabbatical, seeing a professional, trained highly trained therapist, uh, Christian counselors got wisdom in this area because they're bringing a level of expertise and uh, you want that professional external look at things. And as a board, you want to make sure you're, you're making sure that's being done. And as a, as a pastor leader, you want to make sure it's being done as well. So uh, let me, uh, let me, there's a, there's a, um, is there anything a congregation can do to persuade a pastor who is delegation intolerant to go 
on a sabbatical. Now, I don't know your governing structure, but I would demand that if I were a board member, if the person cannot delegate, it's probably over-functioning, over-controlling. That's an oil light in a car. Uh, and uh, actually, this question recommended six months. I would say I'd start with at least three months, perhaps. But remind you again, getting shifting a system where it's almost like, again, it's almost like running on crack of do, do, do. And for this pastor, who you're sensing has got a control issue um, or or uh, delegation intolerant, you called it. You've got to get someone that he or she trusts, hopefully an authority, put their arm around them and really give them a strong push, okay, and some help. Give them a biblical picture of the long view of Sabbaths, the importance of letting go and surrendering to the will of God. That's what we're all about here. And that we all have to let go and do succession. And this is almost like practicing for eternity, you know, and and, and, um, and it'd be a gift for him or her as well as for the church, etc. But uh, that is an oil light in a car and you really want to address it. Who fills in when they're absent? Well, you want to get guest preachers. I would make the church even better as much as possible. That's why it takes planning. Bring in seminars, special events. Again, the best you possibly can while away that the, quote, larger congregation doesn't feel like it's getting gyps, gypped. What value can a coach or mentor add on a sabbatical journey? The answer is a lot. I would find somebody, a counsel or mentor, someone uh, who can give some outside perspective. One big question for me is for singles. Sabbatical time for singles is very different than for families. Three to four months alone is not a life-giving idea for me. This adds additional intentional planning so I can have life-giving companionship throughout the journey. Uh, and the answer is absolutely. You've answered your own question. I've seen singles do it well, um, and it's amazing to watch. It as a single person taking a sabbatical, it presents a different set of challenges and opportunities uh, than a married person. But uh yeah, just you've got to plan and think that thing through. Sounds like you're very much on the roll. Um, so, I, in fact, I recommend to all people in transition, uh, especially after, re, quote, retirement from the jobs after many years. And I don't, the word retirement, I call it just transition from, from paid employment because we're all in full-time ministry until the day that we die. And if you're in that place of, quote, retirement from a long-term employment job, you want to take six months or nine months for a sabbatical, a longer period of time to stop, rest, delight, contemplate, listen to what God might be saying to you for this next phase of your full-time ministry to Jesus. Take the space, take the time. You'll be very glad you, you did. You don't want to just keep going um, without that pause because it's a very significant transition. Let me close with a, uh, a story from a friend of mine, Lance Witt, who's a board member, actually, of Emotionally Other Discipleship. He's been a friend of mine for many years, leads a ministry called Replenish, where he consults with teams around the country. And uh, he writes this, because uh, I asked him to put it in writing. I just wrapped up, he just finished his, th his first three-month sabbatical after 45 years of vocational ministry. That's a long time. And he writes this. I just wrapped up this three-month sabbatical. For many years now, I've been working to slow down. By nature, I'm a hurrier and tend to be compulsively busy. I've lived most of my ministry being over-scheduled. I've made progress in learning to slow down, but my sabbatical showed me that I still have much to learn about truly slowing down, not just externally, but internally. Part of what I discovered during my sabbatical is that frantic and deep don't go together. Hurry and intimacy don't go together. Fast and presence don't go together. When you go fast and hard year after year, your heart begins to get cold and hard. 
uh, I'm not sure how to explain it, but over the three months, it was like my heart and spirit began to thaw and soften. The longer I went on my sabbatical, the more present I felt with people. I felt more tenderness and compassion and gentleness. Like everyone in ministry, I've learned how to manage my internal harshness and cynicism. But it was there, and it was real, and it was toxic to my soul. I've sure got a long way to go in thawing my heart, but it feels good to be more gentle. Sabbatical has been a wonderful moment to slow down, relax, exhale, but I don't want it to be just a great one-off experience. I want it to inform how I re-enter the work of work and ministry. My sabbatical gave me a glimpse and a taste of a life I long for. Maybe that's why sabbatical should be a regular rhythm every few years rather than waiting 45 years to take a sabbatical. Well said. Thank you so much, Lance. So as you close here, let me invite you to make sure that you deepen uh, your understanding and breadth of Sabbath uh, as a day, as a weekly uh, spiritual fra- practice. Check out our team transformational video on Rediscover Sabbath at emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. Uh, that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash team or that chapter in the Emotionally Healthy Leader book on practice Sabbath delight. Thanks, everybody. It's been so good to be with you. God bless you. Have a great day. 